This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Matt Bovey from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other task that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too on demand. So it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the holiday with your friends, family. Hopefully you had a good meal and you did not have to stress out at all about the Bills game. It was carefree. It was just how we thought it was going to go. The Bills (laughs) sneak out a 28 to 25 win over the Detroit Lions, but they did enough to get the win. This is Matt Bovey, joined as always by Sal Capaccio on another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal, happy Thanksgiving to you. We're recording this on Friday morning. We're back from Detroit. We've mm-hmm. been there a lot these last couple of days. It's been crazy, huh? Yeah, I'm glad to see you're already back. You know that I get back pretty quickly. I'm uh, uh, able to fly back with the team. And, you know, it's really nice to kind of get back, especially on a day like Thanksgiving, especially on when you can, you know, just kind of kick back and relax, get your work done and enjoy the rest of the uh, weekend. Right. So that was great. I'm glad you're back already because I know that, um, it was, it's not as easy for you sometimes. Did you drive? Did you fly? Yeah, no, I drove. So we probably were on the road by six 30. So basically we have newscasts at five o'clock and six o'clock. So we needed to take care of everything before that six o'clock hour. But then there's a gap between the six and the 11 o'clock newscast. So then we recorded some stuff and we were editing while we were on the road. So I I got back probably last night around 1045 or so. So not absolutely terrible. What time did you guys get back on the plane? That's what I want to know. Uh, We landed at about uh, a little after 7 p.m. Wow. So like, (laughs) did you actually get like the Thanksgiving experience? Well, not really. Um, I did, you know, while there with, you know, you guys just kind of hanging out and getting some, um, you know, in the press box. But after the game, the Detroit people that we always get fed on the bus ride to the airport, like you get stuff on the way out, the team, the players, whatever, there's always food, whether it's pizza or burgers or something to eat, to go on the bus to the plane. And they had a very nice turkey meal for us that we had. And it was really good uh, stuffing and mashed potatoes and turkey and ham. So I had that. But by the time I got home, which I think is what you're more referring to, my wife, believe it or not, was still at my cousin's house where they go to watch games, big Bills fans. 
and I got home before her. Like they were there all day. <laughs> and and she's like, yeah, I'm still out here at, at Sandy's house, my cousin. And I said, just bring me home a plate. So she brought me home a plate, which was great. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to do Thanksgiving today, basically with like my family, my parents and stuff, just because yesterday was obviously such a crazy chaotic day. Yeah. We'll say Detroit, if they're going to play on Thanksgiving, I'll take Detroit over the other options just because it is pretty convenient and quick and easy to get to. But I mean, come on at this point, they've won them three out of the last four times they've played in every time slot. If you're going to put them on Thanksgiving, put them in this, the eight twenty time slot at home. Like that would be a absolute party in Orchard Park. It would, but it would be a much longer day for all of us, believe it or not, though, wouldn't it? Well, I think I would probably. Yes, it would. I think I would probably make some sacrifice. I would probably try and do Thanksgiving early and then head into work at like four or five o'clock or something like that. Quite frankly, I would just like them to stop playing on Thanksgiving. I actually (laughs) joked with uh, Brandon Bean on the sideline yesterday. We, you know, we're just chatting and, you know, we were wishing each other happy Thanksgiving. And I told him, I was like, Hey, Brandon, when you guys weren't very good, you didn't play on Thanksgiving. So you've kind of ruined the holiday for all of us. (laughs) And he just kind of laughed and he was like, I I like the trade-off. I I like that we're playing on Thanksgiving. I was like, no, I totally get it. And yeah, yeah, I mean, three and zero now in these games. Yesterday was not pretty, but they got it done. Sale, they did enough. Yeah, which so it's really weird, right? Like, I'm glad that we're doing this, and I want to talk this through with you a little bit because I, I, I'm kind of like annoyed in some way, but also I get it, and I shouldn't be annoyed. But I got to tell you, so like, I see on social media, and of course that we know that how that can go on social media sometimes. But also, I've done radio spots this morning already. And it seems like, to me, Matt, like the story should be, the headline should be, the Bills gutted out another a win through these trying circumstances and had down a center, down a left tackle, down a middle linebacker, down two defensive ends, like as after, you know, Miller went out and Deion Dawkins went out and they came back and had this gutsy win. And wow, I can't believe they overcome it. But yet it seems like the first thing, for example, like I go on, our sister station on Odyssey WBEN. And the first thing out of their question, the question to me was, Hey, Sal, Bill's played in, on Thanksgiving. I said, he won. The offense did not look good. Like, it's almost like that's the story instead of winning this game. And I don't think that's right. I think the story should be that the bills gutted out a victory here under trying circumstances. And Oh, by the way, we still have some issues with the offense or whatever. Yes, I think the story is absolutely that with 23 seconds left on the clock, yeah. the best player on the f- the two best players on the field went out and made a play that very few people in the league can make, and they did enough. So to I'm get not away. crazy and being a homer. I think in that, right? No, I agree with you. I think that was the biggest storyline yesterday was that in the biggest moment, the Bills' best players stepped up at the end of the game, and I do think that there are other storylines to talk about, and we will. But at the end of the day, we are being incredibly critical about an offense that once again put up 28 <laughs> points. If 28 points is a bad day, then I'd like to see them on a good day. That does not mean there are not reasons to be concerned because there are right that we'll talk about that. But I, I just Josh Allen in the biggest moment stepped up. That was clutch there. I, I said yesterday and you know, there's going to be people from other fan bases who disagree with this, who argue this, whatever. That's fine. It's just my opinion. I think there are three players in the league that can make the throw that he made yesterday to Stefan Diggs. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Justin Herbert because he's got a crazy arm and it's Josh Allen. I think at one point in his career, Aaron Rodgers can make the throw, but not right now. I don't think any other quarterbacks can make that throw. 
And it was just an unbelievable catch from Stefan Diggs. And it wasn't even just that play. It was also the touchdown drive before that, where they were completely just mm-hmm. abysmal in the second half. They didn't have anything going in the third quarter for a while. I mean, for those of you listening, the way it works, basically we write a story for our website that gets published almost the second the game ends. So while the game is going on, I'm writing the story and every once in a while, when crazy things happen, you delete it and you start over. So the story that I had written was the bills only points in the second half came off of an Ed Oliver safety. They were shut out in the second half by the lions and they lost. That's what I wrote when the lions took the lead. And then the bills responded with the touchdown to Stefan Diggs. They took over that drive and then they went down the field again and they got in position for the field goal. So yeah, I, I think sale the offense. There are some reasons to be concerned. The defense, there are some reasons to be concerned. The injuries are really starting to pile up. That is a big concern, but they still got a win on the road against a team that had won three games in a row with a boatload of injuries in a really hostile environment. They're eight and three. The way people are not, talking about this team, you would think they're three and eight and they're eight and three. Not to mention all the circumstances they had to overcome over a week period, right? Mm-hmm. To, to the, the travel back and forth, the uncertainty of everything going on and their quarterback with an elbow injury that he's still managing. They've had they're like eight and three. They've had like one legit practice in the last yeah. two weeks. Matt, they're eight and three. They didn't get their eighth win of the year last year until week 14, game 14, week 15, game 14. They were seven and six. They were seven and four after 11 last year. They were seven and six. Like, for example, so, and and this is not meant to be a criticism. I love Jeremy. He's a great friend of mine. But like Jeremy White he, he had a poll this morning that said, what's wrong with the Bills offense, essentially? And the, is it the OC? Is it Josh Allen's elbow? Is it, and I want to say, I don't think anything's wrong with the offense. I think that they're making some critical mistakes, but to your point, to, for clarity, they scored 26 on offense yesterday, two or oh, yeah, good, good two, point, right? But that's good a, point. yeah, I just want to make sure, but that's still not bad. But here's the other point. They still sense the buy they've scored on over half of their possessions, half their drives. Do people realize how insane that is? Like they've gotten points on 52% of their drives. Thanks to Howard Simon for that stat. But Matt, they came into the game leading with 48% of their drives ending in points. The thing that's happening is they're still turning the ball over. Mm -hmm. Whose fault is that is a question. And that to me is Josh Allen's fault, but maybe the structure of the offense and things you can do differently. But again, a turnover in the red zone, they were three of four in the red zone, which is a very high percentage. It's very nice. 75%. But the one turnover, the one time they didn't make it was a turnover, which again, gets us back to what's been going on with the offense. Look, I'm not telling you everything's perfect with the offense. I do think Ken Dorsey at times still, I wanted to be a little more creative, do some different things. We saw Brian Dable do, but at the end of the day, they're second in points scored. They're second in yards gained per game. I just don't see it. I don't see how it has to be the the story of, Oh my God, there's something fatally wrong with this offense. There's not. I, well, I agree with the fact that it's not the biggest story, but I disagree with, and I'm not saying that you're not, you're saying this, but I do think it's something to monitor and something that needs to be addressed because it does feel like something that I said yesterday when the bills went down was in years past, I would have had a hundred percent faith that they would go down the field and get points and win the game. And yesterday I did not feel that about the offense. It just looked like everything was forced. Now they kind of proved my point on the first possession after the lions took the lead. I think they went three and out. Maybe they got one first down and then they had to punt it. Then they woke up with their last really full drive of the game before the one that they 
put themselves in position with to uh, kick the game winning field goal. But to me, the thing that's concerning about the offense is last year when they got into these little dry spells, it felt like Brian Dable always had like 10 or 15 plays that they just knew they could lean on that would work. And I don't think they have that right now. Mm. I think right now their identity of their offense is Josh Allen trying to find Stefan Diggs, but eventually you're going to go against an elite corner. You're going to go against a defense that has that figured out. And it's not like Stefan Diggs won't win half of those matchups, but you're going to need other guys to step up. I don't think the run game is incredibly threatening to anybody. I think Devin Singletary has done some nice things in the last couple of days. I'm never going to be, I've said it on the podcast every episode, probably I'm never going to be the guy that says you need to run the ball more. You need to run the ball more, but it's circumstantial. If the game calls for it, you need to be able to run the ball. They haven't been utilizing Dawson Knox nearly enough. He had his best game six days ago in Detroit against the Browns, seven catches, 77 yards yesterday. I think he had two catches. One of them was great on the sideline, but it's just great crazy. Throw. It's it's crazy. I get home and I understand it's, it's not a fair comparison, but I'm watching the highlights of the Vikings game against the Patriots and it's Hunter Henry. It's TJ Hawkinson. It's these tight ends being involved in the red zone. And like, that was their bread and butter for a couple of years. It was Dawson Knox in the red zone. And now he's not targeted at all in the red zone. I think he might have, does he have one touchdown on the year? The one in Kansas city. Yeah. And that came maybe even just outside the red. Zone, I was going to say, and that might've just been out three yard line or something, but if you make a great point, maybe Matt, that is part of the issues of the offense. The only, the issues with the offense are red zone and turnovers. Rather than that, they're, they're, they're good. They're, they're, they're moving the ball. Now they did have some struggles yesterday, early on, they went three and out. They had a couple other extra punts. You know, Sam Martin got more work than he, than he normally does. I, I just, I know the expectations are super high and I understand that. And I don't think that, you know, Ken Dorsey is quite at the level of Brian Dable is from what we saw. I know he's a first year offensive coordinator, but I think big picture, they're still one of the best offenses in the league and they're still, you know, scoring enough points every week to win, which brings us to the defense and how they have to do that as well. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Bills beat the Lions on Thanksgiving. Walk-off field goal, essentially, by Tyler Bass. There was still two seconds left. But really, um, the defense here in this game kind of had to give the offense opportunities as the game was going on. They did let up a touchdown earlier in the half that they the Lions took the lead. Uh, but the Bills at times making big plays, including Ed Oliver, who was oh. absolutely incredible in this game. Yeah. I mean, the game ended the way it did. So it was kind of obvious that it was going to be Josh and Diggs and bass sitting there getting the Turkey leg, yeah, and getting yeah, all the yeah. pomp and circumstance. 
Ed Oliver was the Bills' best player for basically 59 minutes of the game yesterday until that final drive when Allen and Diggs connected. Ed Oliver played his best game as a Bill. One of his, well, actually, maybe maybe it's not the best game, but it's one of his best games. He made several game-changing plays. He had, it was just with Von Miller leaving, and we'll talk about that, Ed Oliver and also Boogie Basham really stepped up. Ed Oliver was their best player on defense yesterday. A lot of times it's Matt Milano. Sometimes it's Jordan Poyer. Those guys were fine yesterday. They played good games, but they really needed somebody other than their big guys to kind of splash onto the scene. And Ed Oliver did. He was awesome yesterday. Um, what wasn't awesome were a couple of things. The Von Miller injury, which we'll let's, let's touch on in a second. The secondary play and the corner play, especially I think Dane Jackson, who was beaten quite a bit. Yeah. They have had issues with other teams. Number one receivers lately, Matt, that's yes. a concern. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, I'm on St. Brown was very good. Had a really nice day against them. Justin Jefferson, of course, just doing Justin Jefferson things. He's incredible by the way. Uh, the week before that they've had issues with teams, number one receivers. Now, I will say part of it is the bills are blitzing more than I've ever seen really under Leslie Frazier. They're leaving those guys out on islands a little bit more often, but they're also not making the plays. And by the way, Amari Cooper was the other one yeah. in the last few weeks, but they're, they're not making enough plays and that's becoming a bit concerning. It's becoming very concerning. I think the lions game plan, they converted a lot of third and longs yesterday. I honestly think the lions game plan was drop back and look for number 30 and attack. And a lot of times it worked. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, I believe had his most receiving yards ever. And that's, he's a good player. He's a really good player, but that's not a stat that you love to see again. Now your number one core say, I'll take over my microphone disconnected. No, you're good. You're good. You're got it. Did it come back? Okay. So that's not a stat that you want to see against somebody on your defense. We did see Trey white for two possessions at the start of the game. I asked McDermott after he said that was the plan, but now it's time to ramp him up more. So this might be a moot point down the road. If Dane Jackson is on the field, because then he's going to be getting the secondary targets. And I think that's a role that obviously fits his skill set better. But Sal, I ask you this, if I'm the bills and I know they really like their rotations, I think I would be using Trey white and Christian Benford more than I would be using Dane Jackson. And then I would have Elam and Jackson kind of sprinkled into the mix because I've been impressed with Benford. I don't think he gets beat nearly as much as Jackson has been getting beat. Yeah. Jackson has struggled. I agree with that. Um, Tredavious white did play, but weirdly only played two series and then didn't come in the game. And I checked just to make sure there was no, Injury designation. He did not get re-injured no. or anything like that. He just no. didn't play, right? Mm-hmm. So can, what do we read into this? Do we know? And by the way, you were in with uh, McDermott in the post-game press conference. I, I, I was not into that. I go into the locker room to talk to people while we're carrying that. Um, I'm not sure what exactly what he so said. Here, when I'll, I think, so here, I'll I, tell you. Yeah. So basically what happened was I asked Sean, I was like, did something happen to Trey or was this always part of the plan? And he said, this was the plan. He essentially said that Trey was on a pitch count and he was like, he was going to play this many plays and then he wasn't going to get back in the game. And then now is the time to start to ramp up that workload even more. Somebody made the comparison on social media. And I think it's a good one. I almost feel like they treated this like a preseason game for Trey white. Like no matter what happened in the actual game, he was getting a couple possessions. And then after that, It was going to be like, just sit on the sideline. Now that was frustrating to watch from our perspective and probably from fans perspective. Cause you're like, Oh my God, you guys are getting beat constantly put Trey white back on the field. But I think they were dead set on like, regardless of what's happening in this game, 
we are going to let Trey play his two possessions and then he's going to sit there. And then maybe next week against the Patriots, he plays four possessions or five. And then after that, they can really start to kind of ramp him up. So I think this was their way of getting his feet wet. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. All right. We have to talk about the Von Miller injury. Um, as of the time that Matt and I are recording this on Black Friday morning, if you will. Um, we do not have the information yet on Von Miller. Hopefully the team will have more information later. Here's what we do know. Von Miller was injured during the game, a knee injury that was confirmed. It was a knee injury. He was carted into the locker room. He was immediately declared out, which is never a good sign. After the game, as I was walking into the locker room to interview players, I saw Von Miller walking out with a noticeable limp mat but no crutches, no other assistance, no braces, anything like that. It should be noted, you can walk on an ACL injury. I understand that. There are people on Twitter, like Pro Football Doc, who people follow, maybe David Chow, him and his team have put out there, they believe it's an ACL injury. However, Ian Rappaport has said, initial diagnosis is a knee sprain. He will have an MRI. He will have more tests. No one is ruling out a more significant injury. Where does that leave us? I think a lot of hope for positivity, a lot of wondering, but no doubt a significant injury in some way for Von Miller that would mean at least missing time. We just hope it means he doesn't miss the rest of the season. Yes, for Von Miller, I think, and I also want to point, Chris Fowler from ESPN also put out a similar report to Ian Rappaport. So I think that was another promising sign because now you're getting it from multiple outlets. You're not just getting it from NFL Network. You're getting it from ESPN and NFL Network that both of those outlets are reporting. That Chris Fowler, the, the college guy? The, or no, the college uh, no, Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy Fowler. 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 Just want to make sure I'm like, wow, Chris Fowler get in on the NFL. No, Jeremy Fowler. Sorry. So I do think that it matters that we're getting it now from multiple different outlets because that feels like, okay, it's not maybe not that I'm not trusting any one outlet or anything like that, but just when you see it out there multiple times that the bills feel like they escaped to the worst outcome. And even though you can walk with an ACL injury, I don't think that NFL doctors and NFL training staffs would just let their players kind of walk out of the locker room. If it was even uh that's what I'm thinking. You know what I like you would just say, do it as do a you remember let me ask you this. Okay, so last year Tredavious White obviously tore his ACL on Thanksgiving, right? Which yes. bizarrely, you know, hopefully it's not the same case. He did walk off the field, but I don't remember seeing him after the game. Did he have crutches or not? I don't even know if we we saw him at all, no. to be honest with you. No, I don't think we did. I think okay. that he was basically isolated wherever he was, and then he probably got onto the plane. So we don't know if he was doing whatever. But, I mean, even right. yesterday, there was a picture out there. Deion Dawkins was in a walking boot, and he was injured. So, like, if they're taking the precaution with Deion Dawkins, we saw the same thing with Josh Allen after he hurt himself against Tampa last year, and he came out of the game. He was in a walking boot, and then he ended up playing the next week. They will always be overcautious with their players, these people that they pay millions and millions and millions of dollars. They want them to be as healthy and perform the best possible way. So I think if there was a need for the precaution, they would take that precaution. So I think that that's a little bit of a positive sign. I think the reports from ESPN and NFL network are also a positive sign. Uh, I also think too, and, and this is weird to say, but the mood of the team yesterday was also a positive sign because I when you. I, because when I think back to last year's game against the saints, they won and they won a route and it was a very deflated, just mm-hmm. almost like sad team after, because I think they all knew That's a great point that Trey was done. And yesterday, I mean, the bills posted the video, they're screaming in the locker room, they're celebrating. And I'm not saying they wouldn't do that if Von Miller didn't get injured, but 
maybe they know that, okay, just go sit for three weeks and be back for the playoffs. Get back at the end of the year, just so you get a couple games back and then whatever. That's the best case scenario. If the Bills can't survive the next couple weeks without Von Miller, they're not good enough to win a Super Bowl. They're not good enough to be the team that we thought they could be. So at this point against... Yeah, Sorry, especially against team a team like the New England Patriots, it doesn't have a world-beating passing attack. I mean, they can throw the ball a little bit, right? But a team like that, and then what? The Jets the following week, right? I mean, it's yeah. the Jets, and and no disrespect, they did beat the Bills, but those are two games that you should be able to get by without your top pass rusher if he has to miss a little bit of time. You just hope it doesn't go longer than that. And of course, the doomsday scenario would yes. be that it is an ACL injury and, and he's out and, and, and has to, you know, rehab. And, you know, then you wonder what next year looks like. Yeah. Von Miller. By the way, Jeremy Fowler, VSPN, let me just give the tweet to everybody. What he wrote, uh, this was la- at three twenty PM on Thanksgiving after it all happened. He said source on Von Miller's knee cautiously optimistic. He avoided major damage in the Lions game, but Monday's test will reveal extent. I think he meant to say Friday's test. Yeah, probably. Well, we did see, I, I think I saw a couple of our colleagues. He went into the x-ray room. He was getting right. checked out. He was getting the, all that stuff at the stadium. So I would bet, I would venture to guess that they know kind of like a baseline of, yeah. okay, this is what happened. And then they will do further tests when they're back in Buffalo, which now they are to kind of confirm those thoughts, make sure that everything is kind of what they feel like it is. It's different though. With a knee injury, I think a knee injury is a far more common test and a far quicker result than like a UCL injury when we were talking about Josh Allen. I mean, it feels like even who's a good example of, okay, Brees Hall, Brees Hall hurts it. Te- what's he? I think he tears his ACL in the middle of a game. And then they come out there and they're like, yeah, it doesn't look good. Like, right. Nice. right. Everybody kind of knew right away. Right. But yeah, I, I know. But if, yeah, you're right. Uh, you never know with MCLs, PCLs, ACLs, uh-huh. all those kinds of things where, you know, what's going on there. But obviously we're all hoping for the best. And as soon as we know, and by the yeah, time absolutely. people listen to this, you know, we, people will basically, we might know. know. Yeah. We might know more. Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out and we'll find out. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some questions. All right. As we like to do at the end of the podcast, we just want to answer some questions, kind of wrap up the podcast and uh, get ready for a nice little long weekend here. Do you have any plans this weekend, Sal? Yeah, uh, a little Black Friday shopping. We're actually uh, doing some cleaning of a little house cleaning, I guess, some winter cleaning and then getting ready for the Christmas decorations. Max is super excited. He wants to do that. So doing a little bit of that as well. And I'm going to the Sabres game Friday night. Uh, They're wearing the reverse retros. I haven't seen them in person yet. Wait, that's tonight. Yeah, that's tonight. I said Friday okay. for people because, you know, people listen to this on like yeah. Saturday, maybe because we're recording. So, uh, but yeah, so Friday night, by the time people you hear threw this, me but, off yes, tonight, you, I'm sorry about that. You sneaky broadcasters, man. You, sneak, <laughs> yes. you, you even I always have in mind when the, when the listeners are listening, not when we're talking, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm doing that. And then you and I will be back. At, I think the bills do have their normal Wednesday media day on Sunday this week. So everybody knows that's when we'll hear from Sean McDermott and players on Sunday this week. I'm going to skip that practice because that is actually my 30th birthday. So I'm not oh, going to go. I'm, I'm, to you, thank you. I oh. appreciate it. So I'm not going to go. By the way, I should have said, I, I can't go to my mom's birthdays on Saturday and I should have said, that. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. So my mom, so we'll be hanging out with her on Saturday. Okay. Beautiful. Well, I hope you okay. have a nice holiday weekend. And you get, to, <laughs> I'll you be get a lots, great birthday, man. You get, thank you. You get lots of deals. All right. There's a lot All of right. different questions here. We'll start with a couple of football ones. Uh, this one is from Colton. He asked like four different questions, um, but I do want to point out two of them. One of them is, is Singletary going to get paid this off season by the bills with the stretch he's had? That's part one. And part two, 
do you think the bills are blitzing more often to help the secondary and the DBs out? And it was something we kind of addressed. So I'll tackle Singletary. You can do the defense. I think they really like Devin Singletary. I think if there's a world where Devin Singletary is willing to take kind of a short-term team-friendly deal, then he will be back because they really like him. They always give him as much praise as they can, and I think they would like to kind of keep the same trio that they have of Singletary, of Cook, and of Hines. But if Devin Singletary is going to get fetch a lot of offers, I do not see the Bills getting in a bidding war or like a term war with any other team with running backs, especially because they spent so many resources on James Cook and on Naheem Hines. So I think they like Devin Singletary. They would also like to keep him, but only if it makes sense financially, because I do just not see this regime breaking the bank for a running back. You're 100% right in all of that. And I'll even add this. It's going to help the fact that this is a very good free agent running back class. Lots of guys are going to get paid. So Devin Singletary isn't going to be like one of these guys where, oh, they need a running back. He's going to command top dollar. <clears throat> what are we looking at? Maybe three, four million a year if they can keep him around there. Maybe something like that would work. I'm not really sure. But I agree with everything you said. And I think it helps that, um, you know, there's a lot of other really good running backs that are going to get paid on the open market. I do think the blitz, Bills are blitzing a little bit more to help out their secondary. Try to get the home a little bit quicker so they don't have to cover any longer. Um, you know, you're trying to get home with the front four all the time. It's kind of weird because that was the whole mantra. And that was what they did the first half of the year, which is front four, front four, front four. And they were doing a good job of getting pressure. So I don't know. It's just some different looks that they're trying, some different things they're trying. Maybe they're trying to do it now because they want to see what they can have going into uh, the playoffs. But I do think part of the reason they're blitzing more is to maybe protect those corners on the outside from having to um, cover longer. This is a question from John. And I love this question. It's, do you think, excuse me, missing the extra point, helped the bills win the game yesterday. And yeah. I, and I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Go ahead. We you, were, you describe it. Well, we were basically, we were sitting up in the press box and we've got our row and we're sitting all next to all of the different uh, TV people that are there. And right after he missed it, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, the likelihood of overtime just increased, but the likelihood that the bills win in regulation also, well, not that they went in regulation, but it was just like the Lions don't lose in regulation. That, that, yeah, don't lose it. Don't lose in regulation. So right. basically at that point, you know, the Lions are like a, a fourth down situation. Like the perfect example is the one that actually happened. They take the shot deep on third and one, and then they elect to kick the field goal. They're not doing that. If they need to score a touchdown, they're being way more aggressive and they're probably moving yep. the ball down the field And the way the bills defense was playing. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they would have kept them out of the end zone. So I actually do think in a really weird roundabout way, it helped the bills. I agree with you hundred percent. I think that I tweeted actually about this uh, late last night or early this morning, whatever it was. And I said the same thing. I think missing the extra point is obviously something you never want to see. And by the way, Tyler Bass had a great streak, the longest streak in the NFL, I think of making extra points that is gone now. So you never want to see that and it happened, but by doing it, it actually did exactly what you said. It, it brought into play Dan Campbell playing more conservative and not being aggressive to actually try and win the game. They didn't want to take risks other than that one play on third and one. And they left 23 seconds on the clock by doing that and having that incomplete pass and having the bills, uh, get their opportunity. By the way, the same thing happened the other way around, essentially against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings missed their extra point. Remember uh -huh. in the game against the bills. Um, so 
it, in a lot, in a way, it basically, you know, did the kind of the same thing where the teams had to play it a little bit differently. And I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I remember thinking the same thing that it almost helped the Vikings that they missed that extra point against the Bills because of the way that the two teams had to play the game going forward. Yeah. Now, there's a couple different questions here about Naheem Hines. So we're just going to kind of merge them into one question and address Naheem okay. Hines. What have you thought about the Bills' usage of him? And do you think that it continues to grow? I think at some point it has to grow it a little bit, but here's what I think, Matt, that it's clear now they didn't really trade for him to be a big part of the offense, but to be the punt and kick returner that they can, and he's done a really good job there that they felt that they needed more in that area. Now I wouldn't rule out. And I'd like to see, I like the idea of him getting more snaps, but let's take an ex- example of Thursday's game. Where would the snaps have come from? Devin Singletary was averaging five yards a carry. And Isaiah McKenzie in the slot had 96 yards receiving. So I like the idea. I just don't, I think you have to think about like, how does that fit in necessarily? Yeah. I think that the workload should be increased offensively, but it's a very good point from you. I don't think it needs to be insane, but I think he should be getting, I don't know, five touches a game. Like, I don't think that that's ridiculous to assume from the bills. And I don't think that that's, you know, a laughable amount for somebody that you went and spent that on, especially because he does provide you with that really boosted production from the special teams role as a punt returner, as a kick returner. I mean, heck the lines wouldn't even kick to him yesterday on kickoffs, which is, you know, honestly, a sign of respect. And it's also kind of a win for the bills because at least you're starting at the 25 every single time, which I think most teams would probably take. So I do think that Heinz is eventually going to be more involved. I honestly think it's a little bit of a slow play thing. I think that the bills are trying to save some of the stuff that they're working on with Heinz until the games start to yeah. matter a little bit more and not show their hand. I kind of always felt like they were doing that last year at times with some of the stuff that they were working on. And I think they're probably trying to do that again, where you show these teams, okay, you know, Hines isn't really a part of the offense. Hines isn't really part of the offense. Well, then maybe you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden Naheem Hines is out there catching screen pass. Well, they can't complete the screen pass for anything, but maybe he's out there like on the field way more than, you know, he had been up to that point. So I think that's something moving forward. All right. You want to end with a couple like more fun ones? Sure. Let's, let's do that. We'll get out of here. All right. So let me find them. All right. Here's one from our good friend, brother, Bill. Uh, If you and Sal were both on the masked singer, which song would you sing? And what would you dress up as? Okay. So I don't really know how the masked singer actually works. I I don't know these people in masks and they sing and people have to guess who it is or something. Yeah, I, I I really, I've never watched an episode. I guess it would be pick your karaoke song and what costume you would want. Cause I've also never watched the masked singer, but that's basically what I'm assuming it is. I mean, I do, I I'm, I'm, I'm not shy about karaoke. I do Sinatra and things like that. But in, in a situation like that, I think I might go to vanilla ice, ice, ice baby for my karaoke song, because that's like a rock. You want to get the crowd rocking in that show, right? I think that's what you, it's all about. So I want to do that. I don't know what I dress up as. Um, that's a really good question. Maybe something from, I don't even know. Like, it's a good question. I don't know. I'd have to think about that, to be honest with you. I think I would probably sing. This is pretty cliche for me, but I think I would sing Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus because people love it and it's an easy song to sing. And I know all the words. And I think I would dress up as, oof, maybe like a moose or like a teddy bear, like a very like foot, like a very fun, welcoming kind of costume. Yeah. They really get the people going. 
Yeah, because you need to have like something. you need to have like your face covered on the masked singer. Yeah, so that's, that's why I'm right. saying like I, you know you couldn't be like a cowboy or something. I'd probably do like I'm like I love dogs, like a dog. I maybe do some sort of dog. <laughs> We're so know. lame. We're yeah, so lame. We don't, have... <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> All right, no this, idea. this is the last one. This is from Steve. All right, he says now that we have three Chick Fil A locations, what is the next fast food chain that needs to come here? And I really like this question as an ender. Do we have like Jack in the Box? Um, I don't believe so. West Coast thing? I I don't believe there is. What is your answer? Because you're into this more than I am. What is your answer? My answer is Shake Shack. I think oh, Shake, okay. Shake Shack is great. Uh, I originally thought that I was going to say In and Out Burger because, like, I had more time to look at these. Obviously, I was looking at the mentions. And is there a like, White Castle? Uh, White Castle is kind of gross, though. You like White Castle? Okay. No, yeah. I don't know. I'm just. I got one. Culver's. You know where Culver's is? Yeah, I, I do know Culver's. Yeah. Culver's is down south. My parents really like it. I like it a lot. It's pretty good. I would say Culver's, and I don't think there's anything like that around here. My three answers that I immediately went to <laughs> were In and Out, were Shake Shack. And raising canes. If you know, oh, you know, raising yeah, yeah, canes, I know that chicken is, yeah, fingers. Sure. Those are, yeah, those yeah, are yeah. great. But I think of those three, my favorite pound for pound is Shake Shack. There's a lot of variety okay. there. There's a bunch of great food. So every time we go to a place that has Shake Shack, I like. I don't go all, like all the time. I just think that it's like a really good spot. So, and I think actually, they just redid the rest stops on the 90. And I mm-hmm. think, I think one of them has a shake shack. Now I have no oh. idea where it is. And I actually think one of them has a Chick-fil-A as well. Um, they're still redoing a lot of them, by the way, <laughs> you go buy some rest stops. You can't even go inside a couple of them. I think I'm going to probably see those, uh, less than a week because we're driving to new England. Cause we've got a bunch oh, okay. of, we've got All a right. lot of people. So like, that's kind of right at the cutoff of what I think is like drivable. I'm not a big yep. road. I'm not a road trip guy. I am a get on a plane person. I think when yep. you have a lot of, when you've got a lot of equipment and you've got multiple people coming, it makes a lot more sense to drive, but like six hours is like right around the time. I, I am not somebody who could just get in a car and go. I, I get very bored. <laughs> wait till you have kids and you know, you basically take road trips to go places and see people. And it's a, it becomes because it's more expensive to fly with more people, yep. obviously. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, then you're going to have to, you go to those rest stops, you go to those fast food places, you go for dinner. It just changes the game a little bit. We went to, what do you, I'm the same way as you, Yeah, I, I'd rather, you know, get on the plane, but you, you do, ha- you do those things come way more into consideration. When I was a kid, my parents used to take my grandparents and my sister and I, so there were six of us to Quebec city every year. We went every mm-hmm. single, every fall. And that's like a 10 hour drive. And I'm just sitting there. I think about this every once in a while. And I'm like, how the heck did they deal with that? <laughs> I was like, right. How did they deal with like my grandmother and her bad like knee, like trying to get her yep. in the car and my sister and I complaining in the back. And then I think we once went to like, I don't know, we went to like North Carolina. That's got to be a hike too. And I'm just thinking like, man, oof, God bless them. God bless the patients. All, <laughs> all parents out there. Bless you. All right. Well, listen, we want to thank everybody for listening, downloading, subscribing. Please do so. Always do so. Leave a nice rating for us. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550 is where you'll find me, Matt Bove, WKBW TV Channel 7 in Buffalo. And uh, I guess we'll try and do another one before the Patriots game, yeah. which, by the way, will be on your television station. Yeah. Coverage starts at 730. We've got a pregame show. We've got a bunch of fun stuff planned. And then I know it's going to be a lot of th- something a lot of people want to know. If you do not have Amazon, you can watch the game locally yeah. on Channel 7. So that's, what that's, I mean. your, that's, that's your lifeline. There you go. All right. So 
We'll uh, step on out of here and allow people to enjoy the rest of their Thanksgiving weekend. Please be safe on the roads out there. A lot of travel going on. Enjoy your holiday shopping. Enjoy family. Enjoy friends. And we'll talk to you next time on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.